Alrighty, welcome back everyone to Brojo Online. Let me just move my microphone there. Brojo Online in association with menprovement.com and Menprovement Academy. And we are at our 11th session now and we're going really into a concept around confidence today. We're going to be look at looking at increasing your self-awareness. This is an absolutely crucial factor to developing yourself because if you're not aware, you can't change. This is the beginning of all the processes of change. You have to first become aware of the thing that requires change and to be able to identify what it is exactly and how to deal with it. So increasing self-awareness, it's something that we don't talk about very often in the normal world and yet without it we are doomed to repeat whatever harmful patterns we've been doing so this is a, it's a general topic in that it's all about your psychology or apply to all the different areas of your life your self-awareness around your health and fitness around your social skills and your connections with others your career uh, your relationships and of course yourself what you do to yourself one of the key things that we talk about in brojo all the time is that all the suffering you experience in your life is self-generated your mind creates suffering and tonight or today depending what time zone you're in self-awareness we're going to be looking at what it is you do that creates suffering and what you could do differently to create a more contentment satisfaction and enjoyment of life well, excuse me so we're going to be looking at self-awareness today, we're going to be digging into it deeply and we're going to be looking at how you can increase it, how you can come to view yourself more accurately, more objectively, and how you can pick up on the things that seem hidden from you at this time. It's a, it's a difficult one. I mean, when we talk about the cycle of change, often the, the first stage is called pre-contemplative, which is another way of saying you are not aware that you need to change you're not aware of your problem essentially and what we're going to be doing today is looking at how to get out of that stage how to become aware when nobody else is telling you when there is no other form of feedback that's obviously available and you have to do it all yourself so let's have a look at where we go with that today for those of you who are joining us live feel free to put your questions and comments into the chat box I can even bring you up on air if you want to have a talk. Um, otherwise, I'll just go off on one of my soliloquies and let's talk about self-awareness. So what is self-awareness? What does it mean to be self-aware? Let's start with defining this issue so that we can actually go off in the right direction. I think one of the key words here is noticing. Bringing your attention to something. That is awareness. So to become aware of something is that you pay attention to it, you notice that it is happening. This might sound overly obvious and a little patronizing, and yet I can almost guarantee that the biggest problems that you experience in your life actually become come from you not noticing what is creating them, not noticing the catalyst, not noticing the pattern, not seeing this thing repeat itself over and over and seeing your behavior as the, the, the creator of that pattern. 
So essentially, when we talk about self-awareness, I'd like to frame it in a way that's a little easier to understand. That is noticing the way you behave. And in particular, noticing the patterns of behavior. Now let me just go off on a little sidetrack here and define what I mean by behavior because I do not just mean physical activity. When I see when I talk about behavior, I mean doing something. And that something might even be a thought process or a decision-making process. Making a decision is a form of action, it's a mental action. You haven't necessarily moved physically yet, but some process has taken place, you've moved forward in your mind. These are, these are also what I'd call, for the sake of today's session, a behavioral pattern. So when we talk about noticing the way you behave and noticing the patterns you engage in, I want you to keep in thought processes as, and emotional reactions to those thought processes as part of that. To give you some context, a lot of this, what we'll be talking about today, I learned through working with criminal offenders, which I talk about all the time, I know. And one of the things that one of the main activities that we did with when we were rehabilitating people on parole and things like that was what was called an offense map, which is we take their offending, their crime, and we'd map out the timeline of events that occurred before the crime. And as we did that, we'd be able to see their behavioral pattern that led to the crime. So, for example, if somebody was, let's take a really simple one like drink driving somebody was drinking alcohol and driving uh, and we noticed that, that it always seemed to happen on a Friday night after work. What we'd do is we'd work backwards through that Friday and even through the rest of the week to see what happened during that week that might be related to their eventual decision to drink and drive. And so often what you would see is the problem not that they were drinking and driving, but the problem was that they were driving to work on a Monday, on a Friday morning. They were setting themselves up for drink driving by driving to work because they always had after work drinks with their friends. And so rather than trying to put them in a position where they'd make a decision to not drink drive when they've already been drinking or where they're under peer pressure from their friends, what we'd do is we'd intervene at that Friday morning, get their partner to drop them off at work on a Friday, and then there's no chance of drink driving. So by becoming aware of the pattern and understanding that the problem that you, the suffering you experience, the consequence you experience is the end of a long process and that the best intervention happens earlier in the process. That is what we're talking about today. Finding that point where you intervene to prevent the suffering from happening and redirect it so that you can enjoy your life more. That is part of what we're talking about today is also having a look just at the way you think, the way your beliefs work and understanding how this affects your quality of life. So noticing the way you behave, that's one of the key points. Knowing what you stand for, knowing what your beliefs actually are, and questioning them, challenging them. We're going to be looking at that today. There's a kind of ironic thing that we do. We believe our beliefs. Whatever we believe is true, we have cognitive biases that also tell us that they're very true, that they're beyond question. One of the biggest and most harmful patterns I ever stayed in was the nice guy pattern, trying to please people all the time. And that came because I believed my belief that I had to be nice to people. I believed my belief that it was my job to make other people feel happy. I actually wore that like a badge of honor. I'd say me being happy, oh sorry, 
me trying to make other happy is my purpose in life. And I believed that. And that trapped me in this pattern of harmful, unhelpful, victim-like behavior. So we're going to also have a look at your beliefs today. There's a concept I learned from Dr. Russ Harris, who's the acceptance and commitment therapy guru, I guess. And that is around holding your beliefs lightly. If you imagine your beliefs are written on a piece of paper, you've got your beliefs written down, just holding it lightly, ready to let it go at any minute, ready to give up on something that isn't true when evidence presents itself. So part of self-awareness is at first knowing your beliefs. So often we act according to our beliefs without actually knowing what they are. We'll just do something and we feel it's the right thing to do. And yet if you were to question us, why did you do that? We're not exactly sure. So a lot of self-awareness is about coming to terms with your beliefs, going, why do I believe what I believe? What's my evidence for that belief? What is the true reason underneath the reason I tell myself? And so on. So we'll be looking at that today. So self-awareness is not just noticing the way you behave. It's also knowing what your belief systems are, knowing the foundation of your decision-making tree. Yeah. Self-awareness is about slowing down. I think if I'm going to make one point today, it's going to be slow down. It is impossible to be self-aware if you're rushing everywhere. And understand that rushing does not mean you're doing anything faster than anyone else. Time goes as slowly for you as it does for anyone else. There's no such thing as being busy. You are doing the same amount per minute as anybody else. It's just the feeling of rushing, the feeling that you're behind and you're trying to catch up. That is all completely happening inside your head. It is a fiction that you've made up. And that fiction, that rushing feeling, is probably your biggest barrier to self-awareness. For those of you who are familiar with my 3x model, self-awareness occurs in the third phase, the release phase, where you stop, you become still, and you allow information to occur to you. You allow awareness to grow, you allow insights to happen, you allow measurements to have results, you allow feedback to occur. So many people skip this step. They refuse to stop and allow awareness to happen. Why? Well, we're going to be looking at that later, but it has to do with the pain of self-awareness. And this is also why people don't slow down, why they rush, because deep down they know how painful it will be to stop and become aware. Especially when you haven't been aware for a long time. The longer you've been ignoring what's really happening, the harder that truth will be to face when you do finally stop and look at it. So if you wonder why you seem to be repeating harmful patterns and you're not sure why, the most likely reason is you haven't actually stopped properly to ask why. You're just rushing to the next solution. Well, maybe if I do this, maybe if I do that, what if I do this? Instead of going, wait, why is this happening? What am I doing that creates this? And stopping long enough to allow that information to occur to you, to allow that evidence to present itself. So slowing down is huge. And in that slowing down, part of self-awareness is the collection and analysis of evidence. Evidence from your past. I dropped that piece of paper and my OCD just couldn't leave it on the floor. Collection and analysis of evidence from the past. So as you go about your business, as you take action, you are creating all these reactions. 
all this stuff is happening. Every time you make a decision and then behave according to that decision, there's a ripple out effect. People get affected, your life gets affected, your job, your relationships, your health and fitness, all of this gets affected by your decision making. So self-awareness is regularly stopping to check on that effect, to collect evidence, to measure that, to collate it and, and measure it against previous evidence, to notice patterns occurring, to be able to discard something that was just a random byproduct, yet be able to keep and hold on to something that was a pattern byproduct, that it seems to have a cause and effect type relationship, or at least a correlation. The 3x model is essentially the scientific process. You, the explore phase is your hypothesis, the action or the engage phase is your experiment, and the release phase is your measurement and collection of data. Self-awareness is about that measurement and collection of data. It's about going, what is happening in my life? And then following that with why? More hypotheses. Why do I think this keeps happening this way? We're going to have a look at your, I hate the word triggers. It's been ruined by feminists, I guess. But the word trigger, or should I say catalyst, we're going to be having a look at what happens before you do what you do. What happens before the pattern? What seems to be the background factors? What seems to lead from one thing to the other each and every time? For example, if your dates are constantly going poorly and you realize before a date you sit at home alone and get yourself all worried about it, that's a catalyst. You regularly get yourself worried and then the dates regularly go poorly. There's a pattern there. They may or may not be related, but odds are they are. And yet, if you didn't stop to think and observe this pattern, you'd just think you are unlucky with dating. Okay. So we're going to have a look at your emotional reactions to things as well. When something happens, before you behave according to your emotional reaction, stopping and going, why am I reacting this way? What is this reaction? When your girlfriend mentions that she met a nice guy at work, and you start going, well, what's, what's his name? Blah, blah, blah. And you just react immediately to those jealous sensations. Self-awareness is about stopping going, wait, why am I having a jealousy reaction right now? What is that really about? Do I not trust her? Yeah, I do trust her, so it's not about that. What is it about? Is it about some guy coming onto my territory? Is it my insecurity that's coming up here? Is there anything to actually be jealous about? What is going on? This is about self-awareness. It's about stopping and taking responsibility for the way you feel before you act on it, before you allow it to determine your actions and to control your behavior. We're going to be having a look at um, journaling. I think it is the number one self-awareness activity, that and perhaps meditation. But journaling is where you actually analyze your life as if you're watching somebody else's and trying to give them feedback. So you become your own source of feedback. This doubles as a confidence tool because if you become your own source of feedback, you will no longer give a shit what other people think of you. You'll already have all the feedback you need. And if you do need more from others, you will go and select those people and ask them specific questions for the information you need, rather than just hoping people give you feedback with compliments or insults. So journaling is the art form of, of self-awareness. Journaling is when you use either writing or talking or video to objectively observe your own life and narrate it to yourself 
so that you can start to see the patterns and you can start to become aware of what you're doing. There's one thing self-awareness is not. It is not autopilot behavior. Self-awareness is about stepping back and watching your automatic behaviors, your automatic patterns, and breaking them when they're no longer helpful. A really common one, one to, uh, to question right away, is politeness. It's a really automatic pattern for people to be polite, and yet nobody really stops to think, why? Why am I being polite? Do I really know why? Because it's nice? Do I know that? If I'm feeling down and I pretend to be happy because I'm being polite, is that actually a nice thing to do, to lie to that person like that? Is that respect? What is politeness? Why have I learned it? Where did I learn it from and when did I learn it? You'll find that when you look at something like politeness, that actually it was the way your parents and caregivers trained you to be more controllable. They tell you it's good to be polite. What they're really saying is it's easier for us if you behave this way. It's less work. And yet we never stop to question it and we spend our whole lives being polite thinking it's a good thing to do. Yet most of the time it is a fake thing to do. And so we become liars and we shame ourselves. Autopilot behavior, I want you to stop and think, what are the things you do automatically? And why do you do them? Are you so sure that they come with a solid evidential belief system where it's been proven that this behavior helps your life? Or does it just feel good to do in the moment, which is easily confused with something that's good for you in the longer term? Being polite, say, like, oh, everyone's smiling and nice, that feels good, this must be the right thing to do. Is it really? Do you have deep connections with these people through your politeness? Do you feel confident and authentic about yourself? Or is this politeness slowly eroding your self-worth and disconnecting you from others? That's not what I'd call a good result. Essentially, self-awareness is about tuning in to yourself. It's about being able to watch yourself as if you're watching your own child grow and develop. And you can see clearly the mistakes they're making, the things they're doing well, their strengths and their weaknesses. It's about developing that view of yourself. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And in doing so, you get to live in the moment. You get to become, by becoming aware, you become present. And when you become present, you get to actually fucking experience life. Every time you're away in the past or the future, worrying, regretting, fantasizing, you're not here. You're not actually alive. You're not present with life as it is happening. You're missing out. Self-awareness, if nothing else, is about becoming present. It's about reducing the delay between what's something happening and you being aware of it happening. Reducing that delay until eventually they happen at the same time. The thing happens and you're aware of it happening while it occurs. Yeah. So you're going to be actively involved in the present, which would mean the letting go of judgments, letting go of labels and categories. Stop saying this is a that kind of person and this is a that. Just letting go of that and just going, what is happening? Tell me, world. Let me experience this. So that's the general definition I'm bringing, the massive rant definition I'm bringing to self-awareness. And I took some time to define it because if you don't know what it is, you can't create it. So take some time to digest what, what we've just been talking about 
in terms of what self-awareness is and start to ask yourself, do I have it? Where am I missing it? Which brings us to our next question. How do we know when we lack it? How do we know when we need to increase it? How do we become aware that we're unaware? So I've got some few key indicators that I want to share with you that will make it a little more obvious when you're lacking self-awareness. The first one's kind of counterintuitive, and that is when things are going well. If things are smooth and comfortable, often for a long period of time, without any perception of bumpiness, without any upsets, without anything going wrong, it indicates that you're not connected with reality because reality is not smooth. No matter who you are, no matter what life you have, if you're connected with reality, there will be ups and downs. Some things will go the way you expected, some of them won't. Some things will help your goals, some of them will harm them. And this will happen on an almost minute-to-minute -minute basis. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, sometimes you're left, sometimes you're right. That's a real-life experience. If you feel like you're just cruising, everything is smooth, it doesn't mean that your life is smooth. What it means is that your brain is filtering information heavily to create the perception of smoothness. So your brain is ignoring things that give you a sense of up and down in order to create the smooth. Or your brain is actively making decisions around your behavior to avoid bumpiness, which is going to lead to a lot of harm in the future. For example, avoiding confrontation. Now, your life will feel smooth if you have no confrontations. But if you're not having any confrontations, if they are not regularly occurring in your life, that means that you're allowing your boundaries to be shit on, and that means that bitterness and resentment is building up between yourself and others. That smoothness is coming at a cost. One day you're going to have a big blow up or a big breakup or a massive conflict with someone because you're not nipping things in the bud early. So your brain is going, that doesn't suit the calm, smooth way of the world that I want to see. Delete. Ignore. And it's just filtering out the stuff and you're not even aware that this is happening. You're just like, yeah, things are all right. If things are all right, you're probably lacking awareness. There's a part of your brain that doesn't want to acknowledge that things are not all right. Sometimes things are excellent. Sometimes things are terrible. And everything in between, and you, every second, it's, one of the, it's a different one. Now, some people are emotionally stable, which means they don't fluctuate very much. I see this more likely to occur in men than women, but that's a generalization. But even if you are a stable person, there should still be fluctuations if you're connected to reality. You're still going to get stuck in traffic sometimes, and you're still going to get somebody disagree with you, and you're still going to get someone cross your boundaries, and you're still going to get a day where your health's just not up to scratch. And if you're not feeling any of these things, then your brain must be filtering out reality. So things going well is actually a big warning sign. It sounds ironic, I know, because we're taught to seek the things going well all the time type life, a very unrealistic and harmful view of the world that. So if you think things are going well, you're up for a big disappointment in the future. You're going to get crushed by something because you're not aware of it occurring. You're not aware of the pattern building. Another warning sign is you rely on feedback from others to know how well you're doing. You have no sense of certainty about how well life is going until somebody else tells you. That's a big warning sign. 
that means that your self-awareness is so lacking that you need to have other people tell you what reality is. Self-sabotage is evident. This is a more obvious one. A pattern's occurring. You're the only common denominator. Let's say one relationship after another is a disaster, and you're the one person who is in each of those relationships. Then you can see, well, something I'm doing must be causing this. I'm the only thing that is there every time. If you keep getting fired from jobs, and they're all different jobs, and you were the only thing that was the same, at the very least, your decision-making about the jobs you go for must be flawed. Or maybe it's your performance at the job. Maybe it's the way you interact with people. Something you're doing is creating this pattern. And I, I always see this with relationships. Somebody will go from one disastrous relationship to another, and they keep blaming the partners. So, well, they were a dick, and they were losing. I'm like, dude, you're choosing them. You're the one who's getting into this relationship. At least 50% of the decision to have a relationship with the person is yours. And you're the one who's having a pattern of these relationships, not them. And even if they are, why are you choosing people that have a pattern like that? So if you see that you're constantly not getting the results that you hoped for, and you're the common denominator, then it's probably something you're doing. Okay? If you feel like a victim, this is a lack of self-awareness. Somebody who's fully aware understands taking responsibility for their life because they realize they are in control of it. They cannot control their results or their outcomes, but they can control their behavior. A victim believes that no matter what they do, life is going to shit on them. And so they let go of responsibility for their behavior. They eat poorly. They don't bother to connect. They're fake with others on and on. They don't take risks. They miss out on opportunities because they believe it doesn't really matter anyway. If this sounds like you, you lack self-awareness. You are unattached to reality. If you could observe reality accurately for just a moment, you would see that everybody creates their own life. They don't always get what they want, but their behavior is the reason for their outcomes. So if you feel that life is happening to you, you lack awareness. You are not seeing that you are the thing that creates your life. Another warning sign that you lack self-awareness is you're getting burned out with action. You feel like no matter what you do, nothing works, and you're doing a lot. You feel very busy. You feel like you've tried everything. A lot of people in the self-development industry or the self-development sort of movement, they get this. They're like, I've tried everything. I've read all the books and all the videos and I've done all this and I've done all that and nothing's working. When, when you're getting burned out with action, odds are you're not measuring yourself properly. You're not stopping and taking the amount of time to rest, heal and measure, to become aware of the results of your actions. Some people will follow like some sort of guru type system of self-development and they go, well, this must work. And when it's not working, they go, well, I must be doing it wrong. I'll just try this. I'll just try that. I'll just try this. Without stepping back and going, wait, how has it been going? What happened? And then what happened after that? And how was I during that whole process? What is this? If I saw someone else doing that, what feedback would I give them? Stopping. So many people feel that rush and they just don't stop until they're burned out. And then because they've been burned out, they look at their behavior and they can't learn anything helpful because they were the, it was the behavior of a burned out person. There's no really valuable feedback in that. So if you're burned out with action, odds are you're not taking enough time to become aware. You're not 
dedicating a significant chunk of your day to just reflecting and becoming aware. And I'd say most people are in this category. Very few people have a dedicated hour of journaling or going for a walk or meditation in their day. Most people just burn through action until they go to bed. And when they do relax, it's like watching TV. It's something where you can't even be self-aware because you're distracted. That is not self-awareness. Sitting on the couch going through 60 episodes of Game of Thrones is not self-awareness. That's just tuning out of life. If anything, it's even more distant from reality. You're living in a fantasy. Now, I watch a lot of Game of Thrones myself. Guilty, you know. But I don't count that as my rest and re reflection time. I make separate time for journaling in the evening and meditation in the morning. Another warning sign is you identify as your mood. You might say, I'm nervous or I'm sad. Or you identify with an identity. I'm a nice guy. I'm a coach. I'm a leader. Anybody who identifies with something as being fixed in long term lacks awareness because nothing is fixed in long term. So you're not nervous. You're feeling symptoms of anxiety right now, but that's a lot different to being nervous as an identity, like I'm Daniel, I'm nervous. So when you start to use language like that, it means you've attached to something so strongly it's become your entire reality, which means you're missing everything else that's happening. You're unaware of reality. You've zoomed in on a tree and you can't see the forest. It's the same with an identity. Like if I think a lot of people identify with their job, I'm an accountant, I'm a coach. Are you an accountant when you're taking a shit? Are you an accountant when you're eating your breakfast? Are you an accountant when you're having your beer with your friends? No. Are you an accountant when you're asleep? No. So you can't be an accountant because it would have to be consistently happening 24 hours a day for you to be it. So if you think you are something, you've attached yourself to the rules of that thing. You can see this, like if I identify as a coach, that means when I'm out socializing with my friends, I just see them as potential clients. I coach people without their permission. I'll give people advice who haven't asked for it. That's what happens if I identify as a coach. Whereas I just think it's time for me to do some coaching right now. I'll be a coach in that hour with a client. And then I go back to just being awareness. And I think probably the number one the number one problem with self-awareness, the number one sign that you lack it, is you're staying committed to something that is obviously a bad investment. You're committed to something that is not producing positive results consistently. And this is most people. They'll stay in a bad relationship, a shitty job, a unhelpful diet, terrible friendships, and they keep putting more and more into it because they've got this idea that once it was good, or that it could be great in the future. Instead of going, actually, it's shit right now, and it's been shit for ages. So staying committed to a poor investment, like an unhappy marriage or a shitty job, and using excuses, usually starting with the words, because I need. I'm staying with my wife because I need to have a family, because I need to be married. I'm staying with this job because I need the money. I'm staying with this friend because I don't want to be lonely. When you have to justify your shitty patterns to yourself, that means you lack awareness. It means you're not willing to face the truth of the situation. And we all do this. So why do we lack it? What are the barriers that get in the way of us being self-aware? Why don't we face up to the truth in these situations? 
I've, I've researched this a lot and informally, I guess, with my coaching clients, with all the people through Brojo. And of course, I've done a lot of research of the science behind this, the barriers to self-awareness, what happens in the mind. And I want to share some of the most common things that I've seen over my four or so years of coaching. A huge one is attaching to the thoughts of I don't know how, or otherwise known as I can't. We have to be really careful about the language we use because the language we use is the way the brain talks to itself. Every word is significant in the brain. It has a whole meaning attached to it, and that meaning is like a set of instructions or rules. When I say I don't know how to my brain, when I say I can't, my brain goes, well, why bother then? Because the definition of those words means there's no possibility in this situation. So the awareness of alternative options, the awareness of potential growth and learning is turned off like a light. It goes, well, if I can't, there's no point in pursuing this further. There's no reason to put any energy into observing or discovering or becoming aware. So it just doesn't do it. So I think of someone like the amount of people, imagine the ratio of people who want to start a business through to people who actually do it. It must be like 90 to 1. It's ridiculous. How many people have told me they want to start a business and a year later they're still an employee? What often steps in between them is this I can't or I don't know how. And that I don't know how is true. They don't know how yet, but they don't have that yet attached to it. They just have I don't know how as if that is the final outcome for the rest of their life. And this is baffling. You think about when back in your baby, you didn't know how to walk, you didn't know how to drive a car, you didn't know how to feed yourself, you didn't know how to tie your shoelaces, you didn't know how to talk to people, you didn't know how to do fucking anything, and now you know how to do all the stuff. So why you suddenly believe that you don't know how forever for some new thing doesn't even make sense. Everything else that you've wanted to learn, you've learned. Why would this next thing be any different? So when you become attached to the thought of I don't know how or I can't, you turn off your self-awareness. And a little trick straight away, I identified it before, is you can just attach the word yet or until. I don't know how until I do this program. I, don't, I can't do it yet, but I will after I do this. I will after I learn this. So you can start attaching the word yet to break down the power of those highly restrictive thought patterns. Becoming fixated on outcomes and results through goals rather than focusing on the process. This is what we're taught to do in school. We're taught if you don't get a result, then your efforts didn't matter, which couldn't be less accurate and is probably why most of those people don't start businesses. Businesses are made through failures, not successes. And yet at school, you're told not to have failures. So you end up being the safe, comfortable person for the rest of your life, completely unaware of the truth. Failures are how you grow. So when you become fixated on winning, on getting a result, getting into a relationship, making more money, being buff and ripped, when you become fixated on those things, you lack awareness. Because you're just looking into the future for that thing that you want, which means you're totally unaware of the process that is happening. If you're trying to get a six-pack, that's fine. But if that's all you're thinking about, you're not going to be aware if your ab workout is actually having results. You're not going to be aware if your eating pattern is affecting your fat loss. You're just going to be doing what you're doing and going, ah, it's not working. 
I give up. The huge barrier is deprioritizing the release phase. I talked about it before. If you're rushing, if you feel that you can't fit everything in, you're going to put reflection and healing and release way down the bottom of the list and you're just not going to do it. Sure, you'll watch six hours of television and somehow discard that from having any contribution to your feelings of busyness. But the actual time you need to reflect and become aware of answers and face the fear of not the unknown, but the known, face the evidence that you don't want to face because of that rushing, then you can't you can't create awareness if you if you block that. Which brings us to the real point here is the pain. Self-awareness is painful. Almost always. Almost every journal entry I've ever made, I've got about four years worth of journaling saved on this Word document. Almost every journaling entry had something that hurt in it. So like, oh, I haven't done that again. Or like, I can't believe this is happening. Why do I keep doing this? There's always that, something like that. It's very rare for me to have a journal entry like, fuck, I killed it completely today. This is awesome. There's always something, something that just didn't go the way that I hold myself up to and so on, something where I failed on my values or whatever. And it hurts to have that realization. But that pain isn't bad. It's growth pain. That pain is the pain of insight. It's the pain of wisdom being created in the moment. It hurts to create wisdom, but once you've got wisdom, you don't lose it, and you keep growing it. So every time you go through that pain, it's just like the pain of a workout. It hurts your muscles, but the next day they're bigger and stronger. You are paying for something. You're investing with that pain. And so being unwilling to face that pain, the pain of the truth, you can't handle the truth. That kind of pain simply means you're setting yourself up for long-term suffering, which is far more painful. A lot of people think that ignorance is bliss, that they'd rather not know. There is truth to that. You are not going to be caused any pain by things you are unaware of yet. You will become aware of them at some point in the future, and the longer you've waited to find out, the more it's going to hurt. I was coaching one guy, he was in a relationship for seven years, and five of those years were bad. How did he get into a relationship that lasted that long, that terribly? It's because he didn't stop to ask, do I want to be in this relationship? He just kept trying to fix it. Five years of his life gone. That is the payment you have to make if you choose ignorance over truth. Arrogance. Thinking that you don't need to change. If you believe that you're pretty much sorted and perfect the way you are, you're doomed. Because life keeps adapting, and if you don't keep adapting with it, you're going to be left behind. If you don't think you have anything to work on, quite simply, you are wrong. Everybody's got something to work on all the time for the rest of their life. So if you think you're finished, you're just setting yourself up for a massive wake-up call later. There's a guy I know like that. He's a very, very financially successful person. He's got everything you could possibly want. He's got the millions in cash and gold. He's got the businesses. He's got the properties. He's got the boats. He's got the wife. He's got the mistress. He's got everything every guy thinks they want. And every night he drinks himself to sleep miserably. This is somebody who's arrogant, who thinks, because I'm killing it in business, I therefore have the perfect life has prevented him from stopping and going, am I actually satisfied? Is this all it cracked up to be? Is there something I'm missing? He didn't ask those questions. 
and now he suffers. Barriers to self-awareness, squashing emotions. Your emotions are there to tell you things about yourself, like anger. Anger tells you when your boundaries have been crossed. Anger tells you when you're passionate about something. Anger gives you courage when you're afraid. If you squash anger, you miss out on all that information. If you try to avoid anxiety, you miss out on figuring out what's important to you, what's a risk to you, what threats you perceive to exist in your environment, how your plans are going. If you don't face anxiety, you don't get any of that information. If you don't face sadness, you don't understand what you're grateful for, what you appreciate. The sense of loss tells you what was important to you. If you, you refuse to face that sensation, you don't know what's important to you and you will let go of things and later regret it. Procrastination. We often put things off without asking ourselves why we're putting them off. We often think there's a good reason. We delay things and we almost never stop to go, maybe it's because I'm afraid. The number one emotion that I think people try to avoid is fear. And that is probably one of the most informative emotions you can have. Your fear tells you more about your beliefs than just about anything else. So if you avoid it, you don't get to learn what your beliefs are and you don't get to find out which ones are harming you. Another one I see on a more practical level is vague comparison to others without rationality. You look at someone, you have a brief glimpse at them, you think they have a better life than you and you don't look any further. You just think of yourself as a victim. You might look at some celebrity and they've got all the, the cars and the money and the women and the whatever. You're like, oh, they're doing better than me. But you don't stop and check it out. You don't say, hey, wait, what's all the stuff in the news about them having problems with their family? Oh, they're in drug rehab again. Are they really that happy? Do I really want to look up to this person? Do they really have something I'm missing? We often do these vague comparisons. We'll look at somebody, they're having a laugh at a party and just, oh, they're better than me. You don't even know if they're real. You don't even know if they're faking it. You don't know why they're laughing. If they are real, do they know something you don't about your behavior? Could they be able to give you some really helpful feedback as to why they get to enjoy themselves at a party and you don't? They're laughing while you're comparing yourself to them. Maybe that's the difference. So making those vague comparisons, believing them, not investigating them any further, and just going on with your life as if that's evidence. It's a huge barrier to awareness. So we talked about what awareness is. We talked about why we avoid it. We talked about how we avoid it. So let's talk about how we increase it, which is the whole point of today's lesson. Lesson. Session. Yap. Who knows what it's called. How do we increase self-awareness in a practical way that you can actually move forward with from today and build your wisdom and therefore your confidence with it. First one is I like to write out scripts. So a script is a psychological term for a pattern of kind of thoughts and instructions that come with a belief system. So a script might be like in the morning I have to get up, I have to cook my eggs and bacon for breakfast and then get ready for work. That's a script. It's something that I follow, it's a pattern. It's a simple pattern that allows me to be pretty much free of decision making. I just follow the pattern. My only decision is whether or not I get up. Once I'm up, I follow the pattern, follow the script. So one of the things you can do is actually write out your scripts. Write out the scripts you attach to situations, particularly the ones that don't seem to be working out very well for you. Like if your dating life is not going so well, you might write something, okay, when I see someone I'm attracted to, 
I think of talking to them. I then get very nervous. I start coming up with excuses to avoid talking to them. Then I walk away, um, and I feel relief when I do that. But the next day, I feel really bad about it, and I start beating myself up. That's my script. That's the pattern I follow. Just becoming aware of these. We're sort of semi-aware of them when they occur. We're like, oh, it's happening again. But it's very rare for us to actually write them out and see them in cold, hard words. To go like, is that what I do? I do do that. I do that every time. No wonder this isn't working. And just to have that awareness of your scripts. I'm going to send out, um, well, the, at the bottom of this video, there should be a link to some resources. And one of those is around diffusion. Uh, which comes through a sort of a form of meditation. Diffusion is just practicing stepping back from your thoughts and your feelings and looking at them. It's a, it's probably the the fuel to self awareness. To be able to have to be to be self aware, you need to practice the art of observation of becoming aware that you are awareness to become consciousness. And so, meditation, diffusion, zooming out when you're feeling like angry. Zoom out and look at the anger rather than be the anger. You know, zoom out and go, wow, what is anger? I can feel this heat in my face, um, my heart's pounding, I'm tense, I've got these thoughts of revenge in my mind. Oh, is that what anger is? Rather than just going, I'm angry. Actually look back, pull it apart and see what it is. Ask, what is it telling me? Why am I having this reaction? What happened before this happened? Why is I having anger and how does anger help me or harm me in this situation? Practice detaching from good versus bad or right versus wrong type assessments. I've, I've been really trying to eliminate those words from my life. I know I used the word wrong earlier in this session. I caught myself doing it. My self-awareness is catching up. But I've never really found much helpfulness coming from those assessments, good and bad, right and wrong. It makes it really subjective. Whereas you can just understand that every situation is a unique moment that really can't be compared to anything else. Someone's behavior isn't right or wrong. It's just interesting. Now, you may not agree with it. You may not want that behavior in your life, but you don't have to call it wrong. You can just say, you know, that behavior, I react to it with anger rather than saying that behavior is wrong. And start to detach from these assessments, these comparisons that categorize and limit your awareness. And start to go, what is this unique thing each and every time without comparison? You can engage in kind of short bursts of self-awareness practice. You know, so if you have goals, you can measure your progress on those goals using units of measurement that are reliable. You can journal and you can limit the amount of time that you do this so that you don't reflect too long. We talked about like one of the problems is most people don't reflect enough. Another problem is people reflect too much. They sit there looking at their life without doing anything. So you can have a limit. How much time am I allowed to reflect before I have to take the next action and make the next decision? And start following that. So okay, I'm allowed half an hour of journaling each night, but I can't dwell on something all day long. I'll journal for half an hour, and after that, I have to decide on action. I'm going to take the following morning to address the thing I've been dwelling on. You know, so rather than going, I can't believe she dumped me for three days, you go half an hour of I can't believe she dumped me. This is all the thoughts and feelings I'm having around it. What am I going to do next? I'm going to go hang out with a friend to feel more social. Right, done. Moving on. Have your sadness time. Have your 
grief and then do something about it rather than just dwelling, which is staying in reflection and not moving on. Practicing essentially awareness is also acceptance. So when we observe reality, we talked about detaching right and wrong, good and bad. It's coming to a point where you can actually explain to yourself why you accept it. How you can come to terms with reality. Think of things like terrorism, you know, rape, murder, all those things you really just can't accept. It's actually unrealistic to not accept these things. You don't have to tolerate and approve of them. But these things have been happening since the dawn of humanity, according to all evidence. Humans are like this. They've always been like this. They probably always will be. And to, to react to this as if it shouldn't be happening shows a lack of awareness and lack of acceptance. When somebody offends you, when somebody's impolite to you, when somebody disagrees with you, and you go, this shouldn't be happening, you lack awareness. This shit happens all the time. To say it shouldn't be happening means you're not connected to reality. You need to go, actually, yeah, this stuff happens a lot. This is part of life. I don't have to like it. That's different. Accepting and liking is not the same. Accepting is just being in touch with reality. So what you can do when you journal is you can catch the things you didn't accept, like, I should have done this, or they shouldn't have done that, and go, wait, that did happen. There's no should or shouldn't. That's a made-up fiction. And catching yourself and really reframing it i wish that didn't happen but it did therefore i've learned this about reality therefore i've learned that about this person and so on treat yourself like you're your own client and you're a coach question and challenge yourself you might write out in your journal this is what i did today and then you play the coach role and go why did you do that why do you think that was a good thing to do why are you proud of that why are you not proud of this and really dive deep. Most people give up on journaling because it ends up just being a narrative of their life. I went to the shops, I went home, it was boring. Good night. Why do I keep doing this? Start with that and then delve deeper into it. Ask those why questions. One of my favorites is the three whys. You just ask the question why three times in a row and each time you get to a different level. So I didn't go up and say hi to that girl I was attracted to. Why? Because I was feeling nervous. Why is nervous a good reason not to talk to her? Um, because my voice wouldn't be very good. Why is your voice not being very good a good reason not to talk to her? I guess it's not. And you can dive deeper and deeper. Keep why questioning whatever the answer is. Assume the answer is wrong and challenge it. And dig and dig and dig until you get to the real truth where you can't challenge it anymore. You're like, that is, that is, that's the truth. There's no further why. That's That's a much more aware way of looking at the world and just believing your first answer one of the things i bring into coaching is someone's first answer is always a lie they're not trying to lie to me they just don't know the truth yet because we haven't explored deep enough so when i ask someone a question like what do you want out of life and they answer it i don't believe their answer there's no way that answer is the truth we haven't gone deep enough yet that answer is a platform to the next question why do you want that because of this and why do you think that's a good idea because of this and why do you believe that until we get to a point where they go, fuck, I don't actually know what I want. And then we've got somewhere to actually start with. Reality check. So every hour or so, have your phone go off with a reminder that questions you. One that says, 
What would a confident guy right, do right now? How well am I living by my values right now? What is happening right now? How do I feel right now? What am I thinking right now? Something that breaks your autopilot patterns, catches you in the middle of them, and just goes, wait, is this helpful? Is the way you're behaving right now going to improve your life in the long term? Let's just double check. Do this for a couple of weeks. You'll be amazed at what you notice. And when you do notice that you have autopilot behaviors, stop and ask yourself, why? Who taught me this? When did this conditioning occur in my brain? Is the person who taught me this or the people who taught me this a reliable source of mentorship? Should I be following that advice? My teacher who told me I should get a safe job, are they someone who's an expert on entrepreneurship? Should I be listening to them? My parents who told me that I should be polite, are they happy with all the relationships in their lives? Is everything going smoothly for them? Should I be taking their advice? All those people who told me I should and shouldn't and can and can't, do they actually know what the fuck they're talking about? Or have I just gone and believed them without questioning, without critical thinking? So, to kind of summarize and wrap this up, self-awareness. Without it, you can't change. And the reason we don't have it is because it hurts. If you can accept the pain that comes with self-awareness, your wisdom will grow daily and you'll start to become a super beast. You'll be so aware of how you are and the way you react to things that no situation will really bother you anymore. As soon as you start getting bothered, you'll see it happen. You'll be able to step back and go, oh, this is one of those insecurities from before that I'm working on. And it'll just be obvious. You'll know your own mind. You'll be at the controls firmly. You'll go, like, ah, I'm having that reaction again. I know why that happens. That was the same as last week. And you just carry on with your life, totally aware of what's happening and non-judgmental. So you're able to connect with people so much more. And if any of you are watching this really want to increase your self-awareness, you want the support and feedback to become aware of who you are and then use that information to your advantage, I am available for one-to-one -one coaching. Just email me, dan at brojo.co.nz, and we can talk about it. So I hope this has been a helpful session for you all, and I look forward to seeing you again next week for the next installment of Brojo Online. Cheers.